This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news for the week of August 4th, 2018. Miller Coors is in a lawsuit bonanza. Scottish woman drinks to doctorate. Scottish college sounds great. One too many on British Airlines will cost you a pretty penny. Red, red counterfeit wines. All this and more on Have a Drink News. All right, welcome to Have a Drink News, the show where we cover the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. Once again, we're down to Casey Price. Hopefully he will well, be. One, once again, like it happens a lot. It... <laughs> Every now and then, he likes to travel. Hmm. All right. Adventures. Uh, <laughs> let's dive into this first story here. Uh, Miller Coors is now fighting a pair of lawsuits out west. Miller Coors continue to battle a pair of high-profile lawsuits, including a trademark infringement case brought by Stone Brewing. Uh, another case from Las Vegas, a uh, Las Vegas beer wholesaler. Earlier this week, Miller Coors, uh, the U.S. division of Molson Coors, responded to Stone Brewing's motion for a preliminary injunction to prevent the sale of Keystone products in which the word stone had been isolated. Uh, Can I, I, I point out, I understand their, con- their concern. I don't see the crossover in that. Hmm. They're just but, trying to do anything they can to state their point out here and to try right. and hurt cores. Just, just wanted to make uh, just putting that out there. Continue. In, in a May filing, Stone argued that an injunction was necessary due to the rebranded Keystone cans causing actual and irreparable consumer confusion, wreaking havoc in the market and causing sales to skyrocket as consumers associate it with Stone. However, in the latest court filing, first cited by attorney Brendan Palfreyman, who runs the TrademarkYourBeer.com website, Miller Coors argued that Stone Brewing failed to meet the requirements for a preliminary injunction. Uh, Miller Coors is claiming that Stone failed to prove confusion between the two products or demonstrate a single example of a consumer purchase driven by confusion. Additionally, Miller Coors said that there is a little consumer crossover between the two companies. In fact, according to Miller Coors data, about 75% of uh, economy beer drinkers are between the ages of 55 and 64, and the majority uh, live in the interior of the U.S. Almost that's none... A, that's a good term. I want to start using that. <laughs> economy beer drinkers? Yeah. Almost none live in Southern California, the geographic area that accounts for a huge percentage of stone brewing sales, said uh, the lawsuit said. That's what the there's op- not a huge there's not a huge spike in stones sales uh, in particularly my liquor barn in Lexington, Kentucky. No, no. Oh, uh, the company I can't. I'm trying to carry this team. <laughs> the company said Stone has shown no likelihood of irreparable harm, pointing to increased sales of the San Diego craft breweries offerings since the April 2017 uh, Keystone rebrand as well as the delay between the rebrand and the February 2018 filing of the lawsuit. So, yeah, uh, Miller Coors also argued that the balance of equities clearly favors uh, the multinational beer company after it notified Stone Brewing in 2010 that it plans to continue using Stone and Stones in conjunction with Keystone Brand, and finally the company claimed an injunction 
is not in uh, public interest. Mm. So <laughs> they do kind of have them there. Before, when yeah, they can... let's pause before we move on to the next part of this. I hate sounding like I'm in Miller Coors camp, but they make some really good points. I understand this is this is a lot of their legal team firing back so that Stone will shut up and sit back down. Uh, but you know, I I can't the 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 point about them like not a whole lot of crossover. I was like, yeah, there's probably not, and I can't I can't imagine a whole lot of of consumers being confused by Keystone. I, yeah. There's a significant like, the price color scheme difference. is completely wrong for stone. So, <laughs> yeah. yes and no, because you still have a lot of people. Again, it's like your built-in audiences. No, you're not going to have someone who's been drinking uh, Keystone forever suddenly grab a stone beer and go, "What the hell is this? I thought I was no. grabbing a you know a Keystone Light." And it's you're not going to have it vice versa, really. But someone who's just getting into beer in general, like someone who's just gotten to college. They're not, I mean, they don't know. That's like today we were at Kroger and looking at all the beer and like right next to everything else. Like you had packs of Founders Dankwood sitting right there next to all the Bud Light and everything else. Like all this stuff just gets mixed in on a lot of these like create your own six pack tables and everything. And you have no real idea what's what. My, and then again, my create your own six pack area is admittedly kind of nice. It's (laughs) fairly well organized doesn't mean to but brag. like <laughs> i mean i'm kind of the reason they no i'm not i didn't have anything to do with that i was just pleasantly surprised uh but they you know everything's generally organized by brewery and so keystone and stone wouldn't show up yeah like even on the same shelf yeah so in most liquor stores i feel like that's gonna be the case and this story like again it's like every week more of this crap is hitting the fan Stone will bring up new things, and then Miller Coors will have a little bit more to fire back at them with. I'm still siding with Stone overall on this because, yeah, the Miller Coors tried uh, years ago to get the rights to be able to use Stone in advertising, and they said, "No, we have that. You can yeah. f off." And Literally, then, our name. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then Miller Coors is like, "We're going to do it anyway, and you can't stop us." And this is, they decided to do it, and they've continued with a huge marketing campaign, and Stone is just like, no, you can't do that. That is literally our company name, and they're trying to halt that. But a lot of the arguments they brought up besides that, eh, maybe a little paper thin, and Miller Coors lawyers are starting to tear through those. But that is not the only part of the story. We said lawsuits. Uh, So there's another lawsuit right now to do with Miller Coors. This one involving a Las Vegas uh, wholesaler, Bonanza Beverage, a nearly six-decade-old wholesaler of Miller Brands (laughs) throughout Sin City, is suing Miller Coors, alleging the beer giant violated uh, Nevada state law by blocking its sale to Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits and instead directing it to sell to Breakthrough Beverage. At issue uh, in this case is whether the distributor uh, agreement issued by Miller Coors in uh, 2008 supersedes state law on changes in control and ownership of its wholesale partners. In the lawsuit, Bonanza argues that state law should govern uh, the transfer of its business to another wholesaler and cites uh, the whole law, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I mean, I would say that state, you know, Federal law trumps state law, and state law would trump, you know, 
actual laws trump whatever you've written down on a piece of paper and had signed <laughs> yeah so what it's coming uh we have the quotes here from it a supplier shall not unreasonably withhold or delay approval of any assignment sale or transfer of the stock of a wholesaler including the wholesaler's rights and obligations under the terms of a franchise whenever a person to be substituted under the terms of the franchise meets reasonable standards imposed upon the wholesaler and any other wholesaler of the supplier of the same general class after consideration of the size and location of the marketing area of the wholesaler. I don't even know what I just said. As I say, that sounded just like that scene from the Santa Claus 2 when they had to read the little clause on, oh, the, bo- on the card the and actual, the big magnifying glass. The actual Santa Claus, yes. I think it's like the, l- the most legal sure, thing ever. Pretty sure it just means they must meet, you know, within reason they they you know they should honor their their franchise agreement but if there's a certain point where it doesn't then screw it do what you want (laughs) and their their case is probably that they they would have had some sort of reasonable reason to 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 not go with whoever miller Coors decided they had to be sold to yeah which uh (laughs) again the whole system is just yeah messy f yeah this three-tier system is so just completely screwed in a lot of places and a little and antiquated <laughs> this is so messed up though because think about it that's like it was a small company started up and they landed the massive like the miller course contract awesome this is great and they're like you know business is booming now because of this and then it comes down to it and they can't even sell to the person they would like to sell to yeah in the end because miller course is no no we want you to sell to these other guys instead but again, that's who's it. It's basically Miller Coors getting to choose who's going to be handling their accounts moving on. It's true, but also so, I'm just picturing them going boom, bada boom, bada boom, bada boom. We're gonna get paid. Boom, bada boom, bada boom, boom, boom. Gonna sue them now. <laughs> Bonanza said Southern Glazers, uh, one of the largest alcohol wholesalers in the U.S., uh, meets or exceeds the reasonable standards imposed upon the wholesaler. And noted that the distributor sold more than 14.8 million cases of beer in Nevada during last year. However, Miller Coors can. Hmm? I was say, I think yeah. There's a part that I, my brain glossed over from the first time I read this that they had to be sold to someone else for a different sum than they had already got like a good deal for. It's like no, yeah. no, no, you're going to them. Yeah. So they were losing. They're losing money on the sale because yeah. of Miller Coors. Uh, however, Miller Coors contends that its distributor agreement gives it the right to match and assign its brand to a wholesaler of its choice, in this case, Breakthrough, which already distributes Coors products in Las Vegas. In a statement, Miller Coors said, moving its brands to Breakthrough in Las Vegas is well within our rights as the brand owner and the best thing to do for our business. Hmm. We are following the transition process in our contract which allows a seller like Bonanza to get full value for the business on fair transaction terms. Uh, our proposal keeps Bonanza fully compensated and consolidates our brands with an existing high-performing partner. That's that's just them. Yeah, it's Bonanza's fault. In the end, it's in the contract. Flat out, they should they know like what I don't. Yeah. Well, I mean. I don't know. There's sometimes you get stuff that's in, con- in the contract that's just not. It shouldn't be there, and it's it, the 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 legal side of it needs to be. I don't know. So yeah, I get you got into a bad deal, but there's also stuff you sh- you just shouldn't be allowed to have into a contract. Oh yeah. Yeah, that is so. decidedly a crap deal. But uh, I guess uh, a court's gonna be 
deciding on this as part of its deal with Southern Glazers Bonanza Vice President and co-owner Bill... Yeah, I'm not even going to try and say that. (laughs) They would receive a two-year contract to work for the company while other employees would be interviewed and considered for roles within the organization. So the owners would get a two-year contract that I'm willing to bet will not get renewed for work, and then probably all their employees would be let go. (laughs) I'd like a two-year contract that I know is not going to get renewed, though. And start looking for a job somewhere else. In the meantime, I just sit in my office and play paddle ball. This thing's broken. I'm pretty sure I, I'm pretty sure I stole. Pretty sure I stole that joke from Mad Men. Now that I think about it, <laughs> I just cut to a blazing saddles. Freaking things warped. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let, let's brighten this this up a little bit. All that legalese killing. Seriously. So. Um... The uh, first female whiskey blender honored by University of Edinburgh. Uh, so, Brown Foreman's master blender, Rachel Berry, who works with the good word, Ben Riach. <laughs> yeah. Pretend it's all Scottish, like Scrooge McDuck is talking to you right now. Uh, David Glen- Tennant. Glenn Glossa and the Glen Dronach Distilleries has been awarded sure. an honorary yeah. doctorate by University of Edinburgh. Uh, she is one of only a few women to work as a master blender for the first to be and the first to be awarded an honorary doctorate uh, in recognition of her service work to the whiskey industry because Scotland. She was made an honorary doctor of science at a ceremony on July 9th. Guys, I have a new goal for our podcast. <laughs> I <to> Scotland. <laughs> want I want to be given an honorary doctorate from Scotland. I mean, yeah. From University of Edinburgh? Yeah, that would be I mean, that'd be pretty good. For uh, our contribution to the understanding of Scotch, we gotta <laughs> we gotta step up our game. But fair, <laughs> bet uh, you we can't. So she actually studied chemistry at the University of Edinburgh, uh, gaining a first and com- uh, coming top of her year before embarking on a career as a research scientist at the Scotch Whiskey Research Institute. What on Scratch earth? Scratch that new job. I was gonna say, <laughs> why have we not gone there? <laughs> I I I will test whatever you want me to test. <laughs> Uh, so she later moved to uh, Glen Morangi Company. That's totally not the right way you say that. Uh, we're here way up to the title of whiskey creator and master blender before joining Morrison Bowmore Distillers, owned by Beam Suntory, which I've actually heard of. Where She's she... got a button somewhere on there that just says pulse. And just <laughs> Like a blender. Blend, okay, blender. Never mind. Oh, on the... Th- okay. Yeah. I was like, wait, what? Uh, she was the master blender from 2010 to 2017. February 2017, she took up the role of master blender with Brown Foreman. Um, commenting on her honorary doctorate, she said that this is one of the proudest moments of my life. My quest has been to unlock a deeper understanding of the distillation, maturation, and provenance of scotch to develop a nurture, and develop and nurture richness of character and taste and celebrate it with the world. It's a great pl- privilege to be recognized in this endeavor. That is a great goal in life. Um, <laughs> it is. You should also really look at the picture at the bottom. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Her. I'm gonna... it's, it's how I want to live my life. Can I be her? <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll do a being John Malkovich name. right now. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, so she said, master blenders and distillers are guardians of quality, honoring the legacy and tradition of the past, protecting spirit quality in the present, whilst innovating and continuously improving for the future. The decisions made today provide the foundations of, for growth that will be built on by 
the master blenders and master distillers that follow. I'm very thankful to have had part to play in creating some of the finest whiskeys in the world. That is awesome. <laughs> Can I just say the first time I saw the title of this when it was uh, put out there for us was uh, First Female Whiskey Bender. I did <laughs> not see the L, and I was immediately cutting to Avatar, and I was <laughs> like, so is, that, is, that a, is Scotch, like, it's it's an element now, and there's a nation, like, it the, is. the Whiskey Nation? In Scotland, <gasps> obviously. It, it, borders the, it borders the fire and water nations. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a secret thing there. And where's the Sioux Nation and all that? That's, oh. that's, that's where we would live. Oh. Yeah. 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 It's not wrong. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> uh, but let, that's awesome. I uh, think that's a really good thing. And, like, the fact that, that she's so, like, not only smart uh, with the whole, I mean, <laughs> I, I couldn't do a, a degree in chemistry if my life depended on it. But, um, and she's, she's putting it to this crazy use of, like, yeah, everybody needs to know how awesome Scotch is. <laughs> well, it also. You know, she's a woman doing what I imagine a lot of people were saying. Nah, that, you can't do that. Yeah, that's a man's job. You get out of here, honey. Go, go make the real blenders a sandwich. Uh, I, I wonder if in Scotland though, it's more like maybe go it's make expected. the blenders some spotted. Never mind that. No, yeah, I wouldn't go there. But uh, <laughs> but maybe yeah. it, it like they don't care as much there because they're just like, oh, you're into scotch. Sweet, let's go do like more scotch I mean, people. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I, I may be bringing our own nation's uh, problems with sexism, but I, I have to imagine most patriar- formal patriarchal and still pseudo-patriarchal <laughs> societies have that issue. So, yeah, still, like, I, you know, Things it's are... doubly, it, it shouldn't be doubly impressive just because she's a woman, but she's doing really good work and, you know. Furthering it, scotch. It is because you don't the Lord's see work. it. <laughs> it. It's definitely impressive because you don't see it as often. You don't hear about it. And then the f- and and also on the sexism thing, while it's prevalent, things are also kind of always a little off in the alcohol world. You know, so it, 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 like we see that with some like CEOs and things like that. So um, yeah. I, Although anyway, it, good for her. Yeah. Although that said, yeah, you're all I could think of when you mentioned that was just them going like. Look, Les, if you're going to be in our job, you're going to have to outdrink us. And she went, all right. Cut to that bottom like, picture. Smash, smash cut. They're all passed out under the table, and she's still got, like, you know, like, I mean, I've still got out of the bottle here to go, boys. Are you still, she's, are you fine? <laughs> she's Marion from Indiana Jones. <laughs> no, yeah. that's, that's what the picture at the bottom of the article is. That's she's her. the, <laughs> yeah, she's the, the, the uh, alcohol representative in the mod squad in uh, uh, the, the thank you for smoking. Oh it's yeah, a really specific reference, but wow, because uh, like the guy mentioned her, like she's got a, like when she was four, like her father was like a, you know whatever it's like when she was fourteen, she had an, uh, an alcohol tolerance reserved for most Irish dock workers. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of scotch and like graduated <gasps> cylinders and things sitting on that desk. <laughs> I too want to drink scotch from graduated cylinders. I mean, we could do uh, it. There would be nothing scientific actually about it. We could just. We, we can just... make it sciency. I'm somehow. <laughs> we shouldn't, however, get on a flight in England, though. Oh, indeed. After having done said science, because uh, the British government is cracking down on booze-filled belligerents on their airplanes. Uh, <laughs> well, you don't want to be belligerent. Yeah, you don't want them to be angry. They have uh, a new campaign entitled "One Too Many." Uh, 
and it is meant to find disruptive drunk passengers. 80,000 pounds, which is 105,000 U.S. dollars. Damn. (laughs) Uh, But that is their fines for bad behavior. Uh, The goal is to stop drunken passengers before they board the plane. Uh, departing mm-hmm. the UK airports, as well as prevent them from over-imbibing on board. The consequence for onboard inebriation, inebriation will be uh, communicated in digital display boards at airports, as well as well as via pamphlets handed out by the police. Wow. Which I have to imagine just get immediately thrown away. Or <laughs> yeah. like, ripped up to, you know, spit gum into. Because pamphlets, yeah. Participating airports include the Manchester Airport Groups, uh, AGS Airports, Bristol, Birmingham, Newcastle, and Gatwick, uh, according to the press release from International Air Trans- uh, Transport Association. And a regional VP uh, for the I- IATA says, while we should remember the that disruptive passenger incidents are still relatively rare, they rank among the three top concerns of cabin uh, cabin crew. And any incident is one too many. Airlines have a zero tolerance policy to unruly behavior, and cabin crew and passengers have a right to a flight free from disturbance and harassment. Uh, the party should be at the destination, not on the plane. Got a point. Good logo. <laughs> I, 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 credit where it's due. Yeah, that's a good that's a good button at the end of that. Yeah, that would mess up a lot of those. Uh, Flights to Cancun, uh, <laughs> the one that I went on when they're like, as soon as it's up in the air, they're like, all right, the gambling starts now. Who wants alcohol? Uh, and yeah. I'm just like, I'm pretty sure U.S. law is still in effect. See, I, I, this... I'm sure U.S. law is still here. Nah, we're citizens of the world now. <laughs> I, the, the amount seems excessive, but at the same time. I wouldn't want to have to deal with people like that either on the plane. Like, I just want to be oh. on the plane, like, watching a movie or reading something or sleeping. Look, I mean, it, it depends on the kind of drunk you are, I have to assume. If you're the kind that just gets a bit too chatty and embarrasses themselves by, I don't know, talking too much and then regrets it for, like, <laughs> years after the fact, I'm sure they don't care. If you're the kind that is, like, getting up going, you know, you're, you know your co-pilot seat won't flush <laughs> then maybe <laughs> like hitting on random passengers or or you know grabbing grabbing airline attendants yeah you know, or if you're lines. like we should have ran this as a news story conjoined with this one the guy from yellowstone i don't know if you oh, saw that the, douche yeah the video got around everywhere it's all over facebook uh but a guy challenged a bison to a fight like you do did he lose yeah he lost uh the bison okay. charged him and put him down but um it's the day before he was arrested in grand tetons which is just south of yellowstone that day for not even that incident something else he was uh had charges brought against him in yellowstone and then he moved on to i can't where was he at when they finally caught him it was like glacier Ge- geyser or something or something like it was another national park further north and they uh busted in there and took him back to Yellowstone after authorities in Yellowstone saw what he had done with the bison. So the guy got arrested in three different national parks in one week. He was apparently an alcoholic. So. All of them were like drunken disorderly conduct charges brought against him. Well, if you're wondering why the airline costs are so high, uh, apparently uh, it is uh, reflects the cost airlines endure for diverting flights resulting from disruptive drunks. 
Apparently, the existing penalty of £5,000, $6,500, and two years of jail time just wasn't enough. Wow. Yeah, uh, you get hit with a uh, $105,000 fine. Uh, you're you're not going to do that again. I mean, the other option is bear, banned from the airline for life. Then all you're going to be able to do is fly Allegiant. <laughs> Southwest, here we come. Well, not in the UK. <laughs> no, no, give them time. <laughs> no, no, the only one they can fly in the UK is Southwest. I don't know how they're getting anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Can only go to Texas. <laughs> um... <laughs> I shouldn't yeah. find that so funny, but I do. <laughs> well, what would they be smuggling like with these <laughs> these flights? Possibly fake wine. Mm-hmm. <gasps> dun dun dun! Gasp. Yes. So, Spanish counterfeit wine ring. Pause for a second. Soak that in. Of course, in. they're Spaniards. <laughs> uh, produced one point seven uh, million. Give me their words, the Spaniard. I wouldn't believe them. <laughs> known too many Spaniards. Um, $1.7 million worth of fake uh, Vega, Cecilia, and Pingus. Obviously wines. This is the sexiest sounding title of Spanish counterfeit wine ring. Yeah, it's it's just, it sounds like it's like a big drug bust. And it's I'm like, hearing ah. a guitar. Whenever you say that. and like, Oh, yeah. You just hear like the guitar strumming. Uh, a horse in the background, maybe. Okay. I start to get aroused just from hearing this. <laughs> okay, so just a few weeks after details emerged of millions of bottles of cheap Spanish wine being sold as French rosé, another high-profile case of counterfeit wine has been reported in Spain. As revealed by Wine Spectator, Spain's Civil Guard recently uncovered a counterfeiting ring that had been operating for four years. Oof. So far, four people have been arrested in connection to the ring, with four more currently under investigation. Based in a restaurant called Don... We're going to say Alex, Alex. not right. That's not uh, right at all. Yeah. Alex. Don uh, Alex. Uh, Multibart in the... <laughs> I, I know. How else do you say Multibar. that? Multibart. Uh, in the... Galician. Galician town of um, A Coruña. Uh, the suspects are accused of producing fake uh, bottles of premium collectible wines, including... Uh, Domino de Pingas and uh, Bodegas Vega Cecilia. The restaurant. Wait, wait, wait. They, they counterfeited whole bodegas of wine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the restaurant's owner is one of the four suspects to be oh. arrested. Uh, during the investigation, the Civil Guard discovered roughly 1,800 fake labels of the high end wines, along with equipment for falsifying labels and a machine that enabled the counterfeiters to pin- uh, print on corks. Speaking to Wine Spectator, Civil Guard Lieutenant uh, Abel Marin said the route of the fake wine bottles has been traced from falsification to distribution. Uh, According to him, the process involved purchasing cheap wine and lesser cuvées from the high-end wineries before relabeling it as the winery's premium offerings and selling bottles for more than 10 times their worth. Holy crap. Uh, So this does lead into like the fact that you know, you can give a lot of people blind taste tests of wine, and they're like, "Oh yes, no, this is right. clearly uh, yeah, ninety-seven-year-old port." It's it's a, it's that uh you know Adam ruins everything video. Um, boxed wine. Yeah. Uh, the counterfeit wines were sold to private clients as well as hotels and restaurants, and Marine believes this the scheme 
brought in profits of roughly $1.7 million for the group. Authorities are now confident that no counterfeits remain on the market. Okay, that sounds like a lot of money. Yeah. But that's between four people over four years. Yeah. That's not for, if you're doing like high profile wine counterfeiting, that is not nearly what they were hoping for. It, it, it could well, be worse. Well, you don't want to go too high profile because you don't want them noticing you right away. You you want to kind of like just slide on down under the radar. Yeah, uh, that's true. So like you know, basically that's like a little bit extra cash all the time. It's like a you know, an extra bonus at work. <laughs> Indeed. Well, sure. I, that's just the craziest story. I'm just trying to picture all of it too. I'm just like, it's just so sexy. Everything about that story. Spain. Just sexy. Alright, you know what else is sexy? No, 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 no. Do a sexy. Do a sexy! <laughs> you know what else is sexy? Scotch. Scotch. Generally. And, <laughs> and Game of Thrones. Well, guess what? The Game of Thrones Scotch collection is coming. It only took <laughs> seven years, but Game of Thrones fans will finally be able to pair the perfect Scotch with each action-packed episode of the hit series... When its eighth and final season will premiere in 2019. I honestly still wish they had gone just for seven seasons and just made an extra, like, epic season. Yeah. Because it it numerically makes it so good. Seven kingdoms, seven yeah. seasons. Oh, yeah. But, and then seven years to make this scotch. Uh-huh. So I love that there is... So there are, like, there's eight scotches. So you could do one per episode for this final run. Uh, drinks conglomerate Diageo has partnered with HBO to release eight special single malts this winter. Each you from... know, I actually used to drink scotch with while watching Game of Thrones <laughs> like all the time, so that's, that's a dangerous thing to say to me, Chris. <laughs> I would love to do this. Each from a different distillery and named for a different house or group from the fictional land of Westeros. The labels for each whiskey have been approved by the Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau, uh, but Diageo hasn't released additional details. Here's what we do know about the whiskey so far. Uh, we do have the Carda Gold Reserve, 40% ABV, a non-age statement. I think that is a recurring uh, thing you're getting ready to hear. Hmm. Non-age statement, single malt from uh, Speyside. Representing House Targaryen and featuring its three-headed dragon on the label. See, the labels look awesome. Oh, yeah, the labels are great. And there's only seven of them that actually follow the labeling scheme. Yeah, the eighth one is weird. And then the ninth one that we'll get to actually looks the most badass. Uh, Nine? Yes. Down at the bottom. Slanesh, <laughs> as I keep seeing this one. Uh, oh, Clanellish. yeah. It's not Slanesh. No, Clanellish Reserve. 51.2% ABV, uh, non-H statement. Highland Single Malt, representing House Tyrell. Uh, that's really all any of these say is non-H statement, where it's from, and what house is featured. Uh, you've got a log of wool in nine year. Uh, that is for House Lannister. And let's just face facts. If there was going to be a Scotch... That was House Lannister, Lagavulin was it. Yeah, I feel like it would be Lagavulin. Like, it just, it's it feels right. Oh, uh, I skipped one, the Dolwini. Uh, Winter's Frost, uh, a non-age statement single malt from the Highlands, representing House Stark. That could be interesting. <laughs> uh, you got Oban, uh, Bay Reserve, a non-age statement Highlands single malt. 
featuring an appropriately dark and simple label uh, with the vow on the night of the night's watch. So that's the group they're referring to because they're like yes. houses and groups. <laughs> Hear my words and bear witness to my vow. Night gathers. Now my watch begins. Uh, Royal Lochnagar, a 12 year old, 40% ABV, hailing from the Highlands and representing House Baratheon. Mm. Label shows that's, a rampant That one feels stag. like it's, it's going to be pretty good. I like the description. Mm. The label shows a rampant stag with a crown around its neck. And you're just like, no, that's Baratheon. Yeah, House Baratheon, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> rampant really stag uh the singleton of uh glendulin select 40 percent abv non-age statement space side single malt representing house tully uh talisker select reserve 45.8 percent abv non-age statement single malt from the isle of sky representing house Greyjoy, and the fact that the only one that comes from Isle of Sky is for Greyjoy. Is just that's that's Chef's kiss good on the. <laughs> on, just <laughs> they thought about this. Basically. Yes, some thought went in, and some additional thought went in to what is the ninth bottle. In addition to these eight single malts, Diageo plans to release a special White Walker edition of Johnny Walker. <laughs> Freeze for an un- unexpected icy reveal, the label commands. Also noting that the whiskey includes uh, Cardoa and Clanellish malts and is distilled, bottled, and blended north, north of the wall. <laughs> north of Hadrian's wall. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, they didn't say which wall. Right. That's what I'm saying. But no, they've got a picture, a representation of what the uh, box is going to look like, and it looks awesome. I mean, the box for the bottle for that White Walker, Johnny Walker, looks li- like the wall. It's great. <laughs> you freeze it, you take a sip, your eyes turn blue. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine that one is going to fly off the shelves. They've been doing a lot of special edition Johnny Walkers, and not many of them hang around long. They, well, they got to do something to make you buy them. Like, all the other scotches have, you know, flavor and taste. <laughs> Johnny Walker's got marketing. <laughs> they got a hell of a lot of marketing. But yeah, the rest of these scotches sound and look great. I'm just wondering what the price tag would be to try and go home with all nine bottles. Oh, yeah. And what, what's the likelihood you're actually going to be able to nail down all nine of these bottles? I, uh, the yes. Oban and uh, Johnny Walker, I'm willing to bet, will be extremely hard to find. And the others, you will... Mm, I'm willing to bet there'll be so a hefty watch price begins. tag. Yeah, there'll be a hefty price tag associated with them. But I don't know. I want them. I want them. I at least want a couple. You know of them. what? Here's here's my plan, Chris. Hmm. We track all these down, however long it takes. We all don't right. watch the next. We don't watch the last season until it's done. Until we get them all. <laughs> then we have a marathon session. <laughs> and we die. Game of Thrones and Scotch. Oh, we and die alcohol, of alcohol poisoning. poisoning. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say we drink the whole bottles. It's just we do we do drinks. Okay, okay. No, no, we have to or, do whole bottles. Or we finish the season, we get all the bottles then. Then we just watch all of Game of Thrones. Okay. Ooh, okay, okay I like that one. I cannot rewatch some of those episodes, let me tell you. <laughs> like, holy crap. But too, I could rewatch I could rewatch some of those episodes over and over. Yeah. Right. I, right. There's like one that I could, but So we're, we're going to have to cut that short because there is something I'm pretty sure would have fit right into a lot of Game of Thrones episodes. 
All right, I'm going to apologize right now for this story. Uh, we should all apologize. Like, this is a blanket ones, statement right if now. If little ones are listening, uh, you you might want to pause it and wait till they're not around. I don't know why they would be. Or, you know, you're going to have to explain some stuff. You could be listening yeah. to it while, you know, doing something and they're in the car. Just mm. whatever. Okay, so there's a Polish beer made from the vaginal lactic acid of hot underwear models. <laughs> I feel creepy just saying it. it it's just so, like on, uh, I don't know who all listens to Harmontown, but he had a big thing about anytime either the worst word in the English language is panties. Because he's like, there's no, you hit, like when anyone says it, everyone gets skeeved out immediately. It's like, it's like a heavily accented, uh, like a crime investigator is suddenly like taking a drag <laughs> off of a cigarette and you know, Bundies. <laughs> well, uh, the odd tipple, apparently, which I guess it's what it's called, has been launched by a Warsaw brewery named uh, Odor of Yanni. Uh, Yanni is the Sanskrit word for vagina. Customers can now buy the beer and taste the essence of models at various pubs, and premi- uh, after it premiered, July 28th That's in the Polish city of Katowice. So creepy! <laughs> so creepy! You uh. know, it could be worse. I could think of a way that this could be worse. How? How could it be worse? Could have got their yeast. Oh! The brewery oh. website tells potential customers, imagine the... <laughs> imagine the woman of your dreams. Your object of desire. She's not an object... Uh, her charm, her sensuality, her passion. You can now try how she tastes. Oh, God. Feel her smell. No, no, oh. Hear her voice? I was going to say, how far are we going that's, here? That's real creepy. Are do they, like, partnering, like, videos with the, each thing or something? Like, Or does it have her name on the bottle? Like, oh, this is brewed with... The lactic- I don't know, but none of these women in these pictures know how to drink beer. Like, they're posing in, like, the, the sexy poses, and I'm like, no, you, okay. you actually have to put the... Whatever. That, and they they both... Oh, there's, like, two women in the article. They both look like, um, I don't know, 80s, like... Hairband c- Cinemax ladies? porn star lady, you know? Okay, yeah. Um, uh. And also, that picture with the panties hanging off the bottle is very oh. disturbing. Uh, the most disturbing oh, yeah, thing, they have an infographic in the article. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the let's, worst. Let's go ahead and describe this infographic. We don't need to. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I will say, like, it's titled, First Vaginal Beer in the World. I'm sure it is. Good job. Let's hope it's the only. <laughs> let's hope it's the last. Now, continuing on with the creepy thing about hearing their voice, it also says... Now imagine giving you giving you a passionate massage and gently whispering anything you'd like to hear. Now feel free now free your fantasies and imagine all of that can be encompassed encompassed in a bottle of beer. No. If it is, you're drinking beer wrong. Exactly. This is for people who have a problem who are like just addicted to watching porn. <laughs> they're drinking this no, beer while they're watching porn. I think this is gross. <laughs> 
Are you saying, are we go- is this going to that Futurama joke? It's a really joke? easy joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> so we're going to that Futurama joke of when, uh, what was it, the mom corp, they're like monitoring people and they have the giant mosquito like drinking from the guy's brain. He's like, this guy sure does like porno. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how- so, however, one of the first customers who tasted the beer... We don't even need to say his name. It's fine. Greg's Gregor's Malinsky. Malinsky. Russian creeper number one. (laughs) He was not impressed, complaining that the 25 Zolti, about five pounds, uh, beer cost about the same as a normal bottle of wine. Uh, So it didn't taste that great, and it was too expensive for what He said people will try it out of curiosity, but I think it's going to be a a regular addition uh, to the table for a beer lover. No. No. I agree with that. (laughs) God. Also, let's just point out that promotional bottle shows a a large brown bottle with a sticker being peeled back. It shows a model in underwear with her name, Pauline, written nearby. The label says, you are drinking the essence of Pauline. So you do get the girl's name. That, does that make it worse? Yeah. This just sounds like such a... Yeah, it does. Uh, I don't, Founder of the company, uh, Wodiak Man, uh, who should be, should be ashamed of himself. Uh, who should be look, put in an institution. Describe the process which gynecologists took smears from their two hot models, Paulina and uh, Monica, and had the lactic acid bacteria isolated in the lab. The website describes the process uh, ambiguously, explaining the secret of the beer lies in her vagina. That was not a sentence I was expecting to say today. Uh, (laughs) Using high-tech microbiome, Probial techniques we examine and prepare lactic acid bacteria from the vagina of a unique woman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, amidst concerns at the hygiene implications of the beer, the Order of Yanni reassures co- uh, consumers that the ladies have been totally checked for having smears and that the scientific process they use to isolate the bacteria removes all potentially unsavory elements. No, the whole thing's unsavory. <laughs> I was just about to say the, that. They're, no, but to remove all unsavory elements, they just dump all of this in a dumpster, and then we're done with it. It just—it's like the height of creeper. You know, it's just that's yeah. What, that's where we're at. You know, you you want me to take the creeper step up just a little bit? Oh God, no! <laughs> this is not the first attempt man has made in this direction. Two years ago, he tried to convince people to fund his project, but only managed to raise 1,578 euros uh, out of a 150,000 euro target. Uh, However, the determined entrepreneur managed to raise funds through a single investor. Hmm. So, who is unnamed? So I have to imagine the investor is somehow creepier than this guy. Yeah. That's a hard one to top. All right. I, I need to clear my palate of this, so let's... And, oh, indeed. Uh, <laughs> I got a drink now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just looking going, uh. So let's move away from that story. Everybody have a drink. Because branding. And uh, <laughs> we're done with the news. Have a, have a drink, just not of that. Yeah. Not oh, God. That. So we'd like to remind everyone, this is our news only show. Uh, but we do a weekly long form show discussing the science and history around what you drink. Hopefully it's not that. Uh, if you like what you hear and you want to support Have a Drink, please go to patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. 
So we will see you uh, next Saturday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs>